Today's fanzine review on Stop Reading That will be the British exploitation zine, Sheer Filth. Hey friends, welcome back to Stop Reading That. You know, I took a couple days off and I really missed doing this, so I'm back. Today's review is going to be on the late 80s, early 90s fanzine Sheer Filth, and I'll get to that in a bit. It's going to be a short review. The short version of the review is pretty good, check it out, not safe for work. But today I was reading an old Kiwi Farms post, or an old Kiwi Farms thread, on Kevin Allred. And if you don't remember who Kevin Allred is, he's the guy in 2016, right after the election, who made some crack on Twitter about how he was going to run down Trump supporters with his car. And it turned out, quite naturally, that he was an adjunct lecturer at Rutgers who taught a class on Beyonce studies. And what made this guy notable was not that he said something stupid on Twitter, because people do that all the time. I pro I do it all the time. But that after getting visited by the cops for making a terrorist threat, he did not quit. He kept tweeting, and he kept putting up articles on Medium about this, and he was threatening to sue the university because they were going to not uh, renew his contract. And the Kiwi Farms thread is like 90 pages long. You can, you can check it out for yourself. I'll link it. But the point being, you know, a normal person, when upon saying something stupid on Twitter and being visited by the police, would say, you know, maybe this was not my finest hour. Maybe I should relax and get off Twitter for a few days and just kind of chill about this whole election thing. But no, of course, there was a big conspiracy against our buddy Kevin. And, and you know, he was just trying to create a teachable moment for his Beyonce studies class. And I found it to be an interesting parallel to this uh, Kino Jimenez jackass who apparently was arrested today. This is the guy in Texas who stole some kid's Trump hat and threw a drink in his face. And it was all caught on camera, of course. And people looked into this background, this guy's background, and found that he had four or five DUIs, and he had a possession wrap, and he had, it was like a breaking and entering into a car. And so, of course, he would commit a crime on camera. And you've probably seen this thing, but the guy knew he was being videotaped. The parallel being, once again, that when a normal person gets a DUI, that person says, you know, maybe I shouldn't do that from now on. And perhaps after all of the chances that I have had in life, I might not want to do something on camera that makes my employer look bad. Because this guy worked at some bar, he had a part-time job, and when you have a petty but lengthy rap sheet, that little part-time job is kind of all you have. 
and the good Lord has given you the opportunity to clean your ass up and do the right thing and maybe move up in this bar and maybe become something. But no, you gotta go and do something stupid and get fired from your job. And what do you wanna bet that even today, this guy blames Republicans and Trump supporters and white people for the fact that his life sucks? And it's really funny to me how these two people who are completely different and yet remarkably similar just provide a lesson into how a person can wind up in prison for life. Because it's usually not that first DUI or that first ill-thought-out Twitter comment that lands you in the clink forever. It's just this general attitude that your shit doesn't stink and the entire world is against you. And speaking of shit, you know, there used to be a blogger named Dennis the Peasant, uh, named after the Monty Python character. And Dennis the Peasant had this whole theory on how somebody becomes famous on the internet. Now, the first way that somebody becomes famous on the internet is by knowing a lot about something especially something that not everyone is talking about. The second and much easier way to become famous on the internet is to find one or two groups of people that you absolutely hate and just make everything about those people. Just consider some of the people who are really well known on the internet and uh, take your pick as to which group that person falls into. On occasion, they actually fall into both. But the reason I give that little setup is because, you know, there was a story a few days ago about a 20-pound bag of human shit on the sidewalk in San Francisco. And our buddy Sean King, who is by now an American treasure, our friend Talcum X, our friend Albino Sharpton, our friend Martin Luther Cream felt it necessary to get on Twitter and say the following. I've noticed that it's only white Americans who complain about the fecal matter on the streets of San Francisco. White entitlement issues again. Now I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that if you don't have a problem with a giant bag of human shit on the sidewalks of your city, you might want to consider getting some entitlement issues. See, the, the actual, the funny thing about the uh, human shit and the used needles on the streets of San Francisco is that it's not really the complaints that point toward an entitlement issue. The entitlement issue is that some people are willing to pay thousands of dollars a month to live in a little rat hole apartment, and the shit and the needles are sort of accessories to their imagined urban playground. See, certain people like to feel like they're slumming it, but they don't want the kind of actual crime that goes along with living in one of our many rust belt carcasses or even some of the lovelier cities in California. So they've kept this liberal attitude when it comes to relatively petty crime, and now it's just swallowing the city whole. In my opinion, couldn't happen to a better group of people. And you know, the funny thing is, as much as any sane person can complain about Los Angeles, you don't see bags of human shit on the street. 
because apparently our non-white people are just a little more entitled than San Francisco's. So Sean King, blow it out your ass, white boy. But enough of that. Today's zine review is on Sheer Filth, which is a 19, or late 80s, early 90s uh, zine from Britain. And it's kind of a good setup for something I'm going to be doing soon, which is a review of the book uh, Shock Value by John Waters. In fact, Sheer Filth has a uh, picture of Divine on the second page of the first issue. But I'm going to just get to the first thing here, which is that Sheer Filth, issue one, starts with a really nice, clear, concise mission statement. It says, Greetings and welcome. The aim of Sheer Filth is to give fans of exploitation films a chance to read about the kind of movies that usually get swept aside by most other magazines. If you're the kind of person who has wet dreams about a room with a view, takes the Oscars seriously, and approves of the comments of Barry Norman, then you're in the wrong place. On the other hand, if you love the kind of films that get exposed in the Sunday papers, then read on. Sheer Filth is about Italian cannibals, women in prison, sex-crazed Nazis, Mondo Madness, big boob fetishes, indescribable weirdness, trash, art, and more. Stay tuned to this channel. And thank you, Sheer Filth, for letting me know what I am getting into on page one. And just so you get an idea of the kind of movie that Sheer Filth trades in, I will read you a good part of the review for a, a movie called Hellhole, which is a women in prison movie. Eh. It says, a corrupt bigwig gets the daughter of a woman he's ordered killed, institutionalized. Still with me? Unfortunately, the place is run by Mary Warrenoff, who is into chemical lobotomy experiments in a big way. What's more, the killer is working in the damn place, too. All the women in prison standbys are here. Shower fights, drug abuse, rape, lesbianism, etc. All done in a totally OTT manner. I don't know what that means, but maybe you do. Apparently the heroine is played by one of the stars of some soap opera, but I wouldn't know. That right there is the kind of review I like to read. It lets me know what the movie's about. I get a pretty good idea of whether or not I'd like to see it. Personally, I wouldn't. And at the same time, I get the zine's personal touch. Supposedly, she's the star of some soap opera, but I wouldn't know. On the same page, we get reviews of a movie called The Sexy Secrets of the Kissagram Girls, and one of the more mainstream movies that you find in sheer filth, Death Wish 3. And to give you a short review or a short version of their review of Death Wish 3, it's crap, but they like it because it's crap. The first issue uh, reviews some other movies you'd probably know. It has April Fool's Day, Friday the 13th Part 6, and a surprisingly negative review of Evil Dead 2, which the reviewer thinks has a few too many laughs and not enough horror. It's got a review of an Italian, Italian horror movie, uh, of which the title best translates to mutant sexual behavior, and it's got a review of Russ Meyer's Super Vixens. 
Now the first issue is really short, but one thing that I really like about Sheer Filth is that as the issues go on, the thing gets bigger, but the quality also increases. The scope of the thing gets a little wider so that by the second issue you have not just movies, but you've got a clip of an interview with Rocky Erickson of the 13th floor elevators. That is really weird. And you have the standard letters section, you have the, uh, the fanzine guide, and you even have classifieds. Now, unfortunately, I'm missing a number of issues, but by issue number eight, you've branched out all the way into sort of older, older porno movies. You've got a review of Big Top Peewee, which I just find so strangely appropriate. You've got a very nice write-up on the band Coil, so there's an interesting Throbbing Gristle connection right there. And by the time you get into issue 9, you've even got a review of a book of poetry by Mark Allman from Soft Cell, who I freaking love. And Henry Rollins, who I don't really care about, but that's beside the point. Now, Sheer Filth does begin to rely over much on porn, and I know I normally complain about that, but it really kind of feels natural as far as the progression of this zine goes. It doesn't really feel as out of place as it does in other zines. And as far as the review goes, this one is a definitely not safe for work. I've already mentioned that. And I, see, I, think it, I think it should be obvious that this is not something you want to open up at the office. The thing is actually quite funny, and I didn't get too into this. I didn't want to read too much from it this time. Because I think you're better off checking it out for yourself. And if you're into this kind of wide genre of garbage film that is mostly not meant for kids, uh, I would say you could do a lot worse than sheer filth. If you're a Gen Xer like me, it might be good for a nostalgia trip. And if you're younger, you can laugh at what us old people were into back in the 90s. If I was going to rate this in comparison to other things that I've reviewed, I would say it's a little bit better than Highball, but not quite as good as Boom. And it's uh, probably, yeah, it's better than Sleazorama. Actually, it's a lot better than Sleazorama. So keep that in mind. I just wanted to give a quick review because I haven't done one in a couple days. I know that I've uh, been promising to review a few things. I'm going to be talking about John Waters' shock value pretty soon. So far, that is one funny freaking book. And I just felt like giving some commentary on a few current events. So anyway, I hope you all have a very happy Friday. And, uh, you know, survive the workday, get off, do whatever you're going to do. I will talk to you soon. Signing off, goodbye.